ahead of today's chat with Leo Berger, just a reminder that this weekend on triathlonlive.tv, the Super League Arena Games will be shown live and direct from London, featuring the likes of Johnny Brownlee, Georgia Taylor-Brown, Vasco Velasa, Rachel Klamer, Tim Don and Lucy Charles Barkley. You can also catch all of last weekend's Winter World Championship action when our guest on the podcast two weeks ago, Sandra Mehrhofer, brought home the gold in fine style. Today on the World Triathlon Podcast, we get to speak to Léo Berger. Léo is one of the youngest of a hugely talented crop of French triathletes currently making waves at the top level of the sport, both with his individual performances, including World Championship bronze in Hamburg last year, and as part of the world-conquering French mixed relay squad. So Léo, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for welcoming me on the podcast. Whereabouts are you at the moment? Just set the scene of where you are and where you're training. I'm uh, actually in the south of France, so quite sunny <laughs> in the moment, and um, yeah, we we are able to to train outside. The pools are open here, so quite lucky at the moment. So enjoying uh, my win- my winter training. Yeah, have you been based in France for most of the winter then? Uh, yeah, I've. I've been uh, staying in uh, Saint Raphael, which is a little city near Nice, in the mm-hmm. south of France. And I've been on, only uh, two weeks in uh, Fuerteventura, in Las Pleitas, in the, the Canarias Island. Yeah. But uh, yeah, most of the time in uh, in France. Nice. Well, it's quite unusual, I suppose. Most tend to speak to you know athletes spread far and wide, usually like hundreds or thousands of miles from home, but is that is that kind of usual for you then to stay more more based around sort of where you're where you're from originally in France was from the the east there right? Uh, I would say I like to to spend uh, most of the time at home. Uh, I like to be at home, train, uh, you know, with my coach and uh, yeah. But I still need uh, a little bit of uh, of time out of uh, my training phase. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why. Um, when when I could go outside uh, in the Canarias, I, I went straight uh, because it's just to to change, uh, you know, the the location. Uh, yeah. So so yeah, the, the bike course. <laughs> it gets a bit samey after a while, does it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. And um, with without any races in at the moment, you know, uh, winter is a little bit long, so that's why it's good also to to change a little bit. Uh, the location. We are used to to start the season really early now uh, with Abu Dhabi uh, early March, and uh, this year is a little bit different. So we need to, yeah, to, to find some new, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and, uh, new location. Recalibrate a little bit. Everyone yeah, sort of scratching it. their heads for another couple of months, huh? Mm. So I suppose what what would be your kind of your dream scenario then for for off season training? Where would be your like, is that pretty much, you know, where where you like to be, just close to home, like switching up occasionally the uh, the location, but but fundamentally being based around the south of France then? No, that's funny because uh, for the, the off-season, I'm uh, quite the opposite because I, oh. I need uh, i I'm an adventure guy, I think. I like to, to be lost uh, in, the, in, the, in the nature. So, yeah, for the off-season, uh, my dream is to... To be lost uh, in the mountains or you know <laughs> on an island with, on a without bike anybody or on a bike or not 
no, just uh, working with uh, a little tent or yeah. something like that. That would be the dream, yeah. <laughs> um, but like you said, good news about the uh, Olympic qualification being back on and so on. The race calendar looking a bit more sort of solid for the first time in a while with Yokohama coming up. Is that your first port of call? Is that the plan? Um, I will start my season with the Melilla European Cup mm -hmm. in, uh, in Spain, uh, just to to warm up before the yeah the, the big show in uh, Yokohama. But uh, of course, I'm I'm so glad uh, to to come back to racing, and uh, and finally the the calendar is a little bit more clear. Uh, we have a clear vision ahead. And uh, as a as a pro um, triathlete, we 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 like to to know where we are going. So, and that wasn't the the case uh, last year. Mm. We we yeah, we didn't know what was happening, and uh, we couldn't control anything. And finally, we we can see some uh, some races at the calendar. So, I'm more motivated now with the with the race uh, with the races ahead. Yeah. Well, and that Hamburg race when, I mean, it obviously became the world champs, but it was the first one back for the, since Malulaba, right? I mean, for the very start of the year in Australia, but then there was, yeah, the black hole. Um, and that bronze, therefore, you know, given all the uncertainty and nobody really knowing where they were, that, that must have been a very satisfying race for you to put together uh, and, and deliver that world champ bronze, was it? Yeah, of course. Uh, first, because uh, I was turning around the, the podium <laughs> since uh, since two two years, uh, and uh, finally I could uh, I could uh, pick a spot on the podium. Yeah, uh, that was um, more a mental game, I think, because I wasn't taking uh, enough risks um, in my racing tactic, mm -hmm. and I was uh, I was al always calculating. You know the the risk. Uh, yeah, if I if I push too too much on the bike, maybe I don't run or or something. And for this race, uh, my mentality was uh, the the medal or nothing. And um, it, it paid uh, just because of this mentality. And um, and so that's a, that's a big big les lesson for for the future. Mm. I I don't have I don't always have to to risk to risk too much. But maybe sometimes uh, taking a little bit more risk is uh, is paying with a with a big result. And I wasn't I wasn't taking this risk because, uh, as you said, the, the French team is uh, quite uh, big and strong. And uh, in my first years in the team, I was maybe a little bit afraid to lose my spot in the team if I was uh, taking too much too much risk. So I was just uh, yeah calculating too much, and uh, I think. That's uh, <laughs> that's enough for for now. I I have to to risk a little bit. Yeah. So it, almost you found yourself playing safe in some races. Do you like? Are there certain race situations then over the last couple of seasons where you feel like you almost finished the race feeling you could have made a different decision and and swung the race a bit more in your favor? Yeah. Um, I can't. I can't. Uh remake the you know make the a race again but um yeah i've finished quite a few races with the the feeling that i 
yeah, I missed maybe something. Mm. And uh, I I waited too too much on the bike maybe or you know or I was uh, I was I was staying behind uh, some some big names on the run. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Now I'm starting to to have a little bit more confidence, and uh, and yeah, that's why also I can't wait to to come back to racing. And I suppose that's also not just the big names in general on the circuit there, but in terms of like the French squad as well. You know, you got Vincent, who's obviously like the the senior guy there, and Dorian and Pierre are both that little bit older than you, aren't they? So I guess yeah, when you're just kind of punching through into the the team and those elite start lines maybe there's is there a feeling of a slight kind of deferential almost you know it's it's a mindset thing is it like the more races you get under your belt the more you're inevitably going to take those risks at some point and then one pays off and then that can like be a bit of a switch in your in your racing mentality can it yeah yeah that's it uh i think that was the the process uh, i needed to to come to pass by these uh, different steps and um, but uh, yeah, it's true that uh, this level in France is um, is is making everyone uh, stronger in the team. So we are quite lucky to yeah to have this uh, this level in the team. We yeah when I have some some model like Vince, uh, you know, for my first WTS, uh, I'm like I'm I'm learning a lot uh, uh, on on his side. So yeah. I, I think I'm quite quite lucky about uh, with, with that. And it is very much, you know, this kind of French wave that has been coming through. And you know, Vincent Dorian obviously getting a huge result in Bermuda uh, with his first WTS win, right? Um, and can't obviously escape the the mixed relay squad kind of hoovering up the World Championships. Is that part of? I'm interested in the in the kind of French Grand Prix circuit and the you know the impact that that might have had on this current like boost for for French triathlon. Can you just sort of talk us through? You obviously, for example, just before Hamburg last year, you you were, there was a Grand Prix race right at the uh, at the end of August there. So is that something that you kind of are able to dip in and out of? Was that something that was kind of a formative part of your? pushing through and is just essentially like an investment in French triathlon that is paying dividends as well. Yeah, like uh, everyone uh, may know, there is a a French uh, circuit uh, where all the the, the best uh, big names of the the ITU circuit are coming for five races in in the season, each Mm -hmm. season. And uh, so, as a young young triathlete, uh, when you are a junior, if you are in one of the best uh, French junior, you, you you get to to race alongside uh, some uh, Gomez, Bromleys, uh, you know, uh, all the all the big names, and uh, you're you're just uh, racing with them with no pressure because it's only a, gr- a Grand Prix, so no pressure, just learning. Just uh, learn uh, as much as you can, and uh, and uh, and yeah, go for it. And uh, then when you're la- later, when you're going on the WTS, you you know already that type of uh, that kind of racing because Grand Prix, French Grand Prix are always aggressive. There there is always a breakaway. It's 
the, the guys, uh, the Poissy guys are swimming uh, full gas uh, on the front. So that's some uh, hard racing. And uh, maybe when it, it's a good preparation for, for the, the WTS. Mm. So, uh, yeah, yeah that, that was uh, a really important part of uh, my young uh, um, yeah, career, maybe. And is that representing your region? Are they are all the teams regional, or are there like specific one like private ones as well? Uh, the teams are from uh, different cities in France, mm-hmm. so there are each each team is representing uh, a city. So uh, so I'm I'm representing Saint Jean de Mont, which is a uh, a nice city on the on the west uh, coast. <laughs> And uh, for example, Dorian is uh, representing Poissy. Vince, uh, another team in uh, in Paris. Yeah. So yeah. It so is it like, like like this? How many different divisions yeah. are there as well? Uh, there are three different uh, divisions, and uh, so for example, I I met my my team when uh, on the junior races. They are they are coming on on the races and. Uh, and uh, talking to the yeah few a few athletes and uh, and they are asking to to join the team mm-hmm. so it's like that yeah and obviously you know as well as those names we've mentioned from the men's side we've got cassandra bogron and emily morier under 23 world champ from a couple of from last year wasn't it uh well no lausanne 2019 uh leone and sandra Dodet. so um yeah that pool of talent to be able to pick from for the mixed relay is obviously a huge part of the your success as a team as well and how i mean how nice is it and and how important is it for you to be able to go into those races with that target on your back as like the team to beat which obviously you know is only relatively recently the case but it's the you know it's it's been a pretty emphatic stay at the top um, once you got there yeah that way yeah but uh it's it's a you know it's a spot where you have to enjoy to to be because uh the the race after you you can be beat be, beaten sorry mm-hmm. because all the all the, the other teams are uh yeah so so strong as well the the Aussies, the the, the british you know and uh we even if we we won the championship uh, twice in twice or three in a row three times yeah three in a row yeah I'm a, bit, a little bit lost with the <laughs> the corona year you know <laughs> um, you know on, on the start line of uh, the world championship the world mixed relay championship we are always uh, yeah paying paying uh, a lot attention of uh, of the other teams because because we we know that uh, we. We are not the the only favorites, you know. We 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 can be beaten uh, really easily as well. So we are always careful. Which I suppose makes the the three in a row even more impressive and even more pleasing for you guys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, the team is always different, so that's also nice to 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 see that. Uh, yeah, that, that that big group uh, working together, and uh, and also when you're not in the team, you you're part of the team, you know. <laughs> so that's that's a, a good uh, atmosphere. 
So is it always the case with the French team? I think it is with several that um, the top two from the individual race will always be the two that go through to the to the mixed relay team, or does it do you mix it up within that as well? Uh, we are we are mixing we are mixing it up uh, a little bit uh, to 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 try some some new strategies. So it's not always the two first uh, of the individual race. Mm -hmm. So obviously, yeah, in 2018, it was uh, Dorian and Vincent who were sixth and second, and you tenth, right, in the individual. So that was like a that was a good day. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then those two, Dorian and Vincent, were on the team that won the world champ mixed relay the next day. And then I I was watching just like with green eyes envy as France then also won the World Cup that afternoon and you guys were just sitting outside in the sunshine having a barbecue, having won <laughs> championships and watching your team absolutely smash the uh, the World Cup. And I was like, that, yeah, that must have been a good day. Yeah, yeah but uh, it's also when you remember that we are only doing triathlon, <laughs> when you, you see the impact of, uh, of, uh, of a World Championship uh, title. But it's cool already. We the triathlon is growing, and uh, but nothing compared to to soccer, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, but I think this this Olympics, obviously, it's just been announced that there won't be any international spectators in Tokyo, and that's obviously a huge shame. But it will mean more than ever. I'm sure the TV audiences will be through the roof, and the timing for the. Uh, for the mixed relay will be i think kind of late evening on the saturday night on the super saturday in europe anyway so you know there are certain obviously certain moments in any olympics that always stand out and you must you must be thinking that that race is going to be one of the one of the major events of this games yeah, yeah, yeah. and um you know I, I was i was thinking a few days ago when i was watching uh, cycling or, or biathlon on, on TV that a lot of people is missing the you know watching TV or going to a, to a race to, to cheer some athlete and uh, and of course if uh, triathlon is uh, is coming back to racing a lot of people will uh, will love uh, to support the athletes uh, in front of the TV for sure yeah yeah it'll be massive and then you know, obviously the, the the final French selection is still up in the air, right? For for Tokyo. I yeah, mean... yeah, there is a Vince who is uh, quite sure to be qualified, mm -hmm. and uh, then we have uh, two more spots for three three boys. So that will be uh, a nice, uh, yeah, a nice fight, but uh, a fair one, I hope. Yeah, and even if I guess you must have one eye on paris 24 as well have you like obviously tokyo will be you know your target but if it was one or the other then paris 2024 would surely be the one you would choose um yeah I'm, I'm, uh, i think uh, racing racing the olympics at, at home uh, is the the dream of uh, of all the the athletes so it's true that uh, it will come quite quickly after after Tokyo as well, but um, in the other end, I I'm 
100% focus on uh, on Tokyo now, so I couldn't even uh, think about Paris. <laughs> yeah. One one, uh, one step at a time, and uh, yeah, we will we'll think about that later. Yeah. No, for sure. It, so you know, up to this point, on as we sort of edge closer to the start of the season and what would potentially be your first game. So what what looking back have been those those moments that you would kind of credit that will have that have got you to this point like you know do you look do you look back at certain performances as a as a junior or or as an under 23 where you're like right I came off that particular race or that particular course or even that particular training block feeling like you had made a big step up um looking looking back i think i am I'm, I'm more a guy that uh, uh grew uh grew up uh, gradually yeah, yeah gradually not not big step uh but um but yeah really gradually and uh i i i didn't have uh, so many injuries actually mm-hmm. zero i think in the past uh, 5 years so I could uh, just work and improve uh, improve my level, and uh, so I couldn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't have a, a big big uh, improvement at at one point, but it's true that some races are, you know, um, are making a, a switch in your in in my mind, like like Hamburg, like uh, yeah. Abu Dhabi, the first uh, for for my first WTS, I I had so much fun that. Uh, yeah, going in the breaker that uh, I, I said to myself, okay, that's what I I want to do now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, do you do you find yourself like sometimes thinking you're basically this? You know, you are doing your dream job. You are living the dream here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm waking up every morning, uh, telling myself that uh, even if the 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 alarm is. Uh, is a little bit too early. <laughs> I'm I'm quite lucky with what I'm doing because uh, yeah, when you are going to Bermuda, you know places like that, Australia, like this, you you yeah, you just uh, enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So over that five years, have you been with the same coach for most of that time? Um, actually, no. I I changed so. Um, in uh, 2014, I I left uh, south of France. I, I've been I've been uh, so yeah. I will make it a little bit uh, more clear because <laughs> so I spent uh, three years uh, around my 80s in the south of France where I'm uh, right now. Mm-hmm. So in Saint Raphael, it's a national uh, center where you can go to the to school in the morning and train all the the afternoon. So that's that's a big, uh, yeah. That's that's quite cool when you're uh, young, because you can yeah just go to school and uh, improve as well in in the training. And so um, I I stood there, I stayed there um, until junior, and then I spent uh, five years in uh, Grenoble, more in the Alps, so more a little bit uh, more north, with uh, Dorian Connens. And uh, quite a big, big uh, squad. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, at the end of last year, I came back uh, in the south of France, and I I came back with the yeah this uh, national training 
center and I'm training with the, the under 23 nation, uh, yeah, national team right. here. So mm -hmm. that's it. Are there, I mean, you know, obviously asked about sort of any particular moments through the career. Are there any, like anything that has been instilled in you from, from your coach or any particular things that, that kind of stand out that have really helped you or any, any particular people like who, who have been the sort of formative figures in, in your journey to today, to where you are now? I think first my parents, uh, teach me, <laughs> uh, a lot when I was younger, uh, about, uh, respecting the others, respecting nature. And, um, that's also why I'm, I love what I'm doing because I'm, I'm all the day in the nature, you know, enjoying, uh, the out, the outside. So that's the first uh, thing. Then, uh, it's true that, uh, I've met a lot of, uh, good people that uh, had, uh, always good influence on me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, for now, now for three years, I'm with, uh, uh, an Italian athlete, uh, triathlete actually, uh, Angie Olmo. That is, uh, yeah, sometimes it's true that she's, uh, opening a little bit my eyes on, uh, some points <laughs> and uh, so she like like your nutrition you know uh training yeah different uh type of uh, like uh, important points uh, of my my training so yeah she, she's uh, she's teaching me a lot <laughs> as well you you live together then uh, yeah, we are trying to, to live together at least. Yeah. <laughs> it's not always easy well, with, uh, yeah. also with Corona because she, she has to spend most of the time in Italy, in Italy yeah. uh, with, um, because of the, the army, because she's in the army and, uh, yeah, but at least we are trying to. <laughs> so when you say nutrition, was she looking at some of the things you were eating and just like Leo, you got to cut that out. You can't keep eating that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's, uh, I'm not like a, a super uh, big uh, eater, but um, I had some, some, some huge uh, weakness. Uh, I, you know, some nutrition weakness. I, I don't know how to explain, but uh, I was eating uh, tons of, uh, of rice and, you know, tough, tons of uh, carbo yeah. of, of carbs. And uh, my body wasn't uh, taking anything from any energy from uh, from these carbs or or fruits or you know, and uh, that was a, a problem of uh, of balance in the, in my, in my in my body in right. my body. So um, yeah, she she just uh, helped me to to change a few things in that. I thought you were going to say like a addiction to milkshakes or Reese's or something. <laughs> no, 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 but, uh, you know, before, before changing, changing that, I had always troubles on the, on the Olympic distance. Right. I couldn't, uh, finish an Olympic distance without being in, uh, in, in, in crisis, you know, yeah. so, so that was uh, a shame. <laughs> oh, well, that's nice to have that ironed out. Um, yeah, no, I was. I was looking at your Instagram account and you're saying, you know, your love of the outdoors or whatever, your Instagram account is sort of a bit like a trawl through the National Geographic or something. You've got some pretty beautiful places where you've been ending up. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's true that um, I'm not uh, someone that could, uh, 
that would be able uh, that would be able to to train only on the on the turbo trainer or you know spend uh, most of the time uh, indoor mm. I, I, I need to be outside i need to feel the the nature around me i need to yeah to i don't know to 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 get lost i need that <laughs> to yeah. to be to be happy yeah so some of the stories of what some of the athletes have been through through lockdown would uh make your skin crawl would they yeah 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 but uh i was always uh i i've i've been uh doing all the lockdown as well on the on the turbo so oh yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah two months on the turbo and uh, oh man so i know what it is did that start to take a bit of a toll like were you did you find yourself really just craving the big outdoors uh yeah yeah because um even if uh zwift is is really you know it's is 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 beautiful. I I was missing so much uh, the outdoors, so I I was just training because I it was my job. But uh, when I could uh, go out again, I I did some right crazy trips on the bike. <laughs> yeah. Well, like how like as in super distance or altitude or climbs or. Um. Yeah. Some. You know, some training where you you're going going outside without knowing uh when you're, right. you're coming back yeah <laughs> that's my favorite kind of uh of bike trip nice you on your own or do you were you going off with someone else or do you quite like to just sort of... yeah i i like company but uh i'm i i can also ride on on my own and uh, enjoy and can you talk me through the uh, the little blue car that you and Angie were cruising around and doing donuts in a car park in the snow? <laughs> <laughs> you saw that. Yeah. <laughs> Who yeah, is that little uh, guy? That's um, an old uh, Fiat uh, Cinquecento. Yeah. So um, it's uh, you you can't you can't uh, imagine how small is that car. <laughs> it's like a karting, you know. <laughs> It's it's like a go kart and um, it's super light. So on the yeah on the snow like this, uh, we we are making donuts really easily. <laughs> but uh, no, the, without without kidding, I'm I'm in love with the this type of uh, of uh, Italian uh, style, you know. So yeah, now we have the the Cinquecento, also the the Vespa from the the eighties, the the seventies. Sorry. Oh, nice. So some old stuff, but uh, so so beautiful. Yeah, classic. Does the Cinquecento live with Angie though, or? Yeah, she's. Uh, it's in Italy. It's uh, staying in Italy right now. Right. But uh, yeah, I can't wait to. Yeah, well, I don't know if I, I will let it in Italy or or not, because then uh, in the summer we we like to to go eating a little ice cream in the. In Cinquecento. Yeah. It must have a name, a car like that. You've got to have given it a name, have you? Ah, no, 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 not yet. But uh, I will think about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can do a call out on the on the podcast for people to come up with some suggestions for the name. Go to Leo's Instagram, check out the picture of the uh, Cinquecento, the little video, and see, come up with some good names. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, a quick story about uh, this car. We, 
we we bought it and uh, we came back home with the with, with the car and uh, on the highway first day we, we we came back with the car on the highway we we just uh, the, the 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 car just uh, stopped yeah. and uh, i had to push it uh, on the highway while uh, Angie was uh, trying to to turn it on again <laughs> and uh, night was coming uh, was coming and uh, yeah but we had uh, quite some some fun it's not a car that you could overnight in very easily is it no 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 <laughs> no, no but yeah it's too nice cool so your you know as as the season sort of slowly chugs into position you're feeling in in good shape are you like everything's kind of coming together are you you know race race rustiness is obviously a bit of a thing but yeah i i i did a quite a solid winter i've changed a little bit my training method this winter with a little bit more consistency and more mileage all um, all the winter, mm-hmm. and uh, I was trying to to switch uh, from from speed training to to more you know muscular training like uh, long hard sessions, and uh, I'm feeling it, uh, you know the effect already. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I'm feeling the effect already. I I feel more solid, uh, so that's that's for olympic distance uh, this week so yeah i'm i'm quite confident ahead of uh, this season where does like yokohama the course sit in terms of courses that you would want or not want to be your first sort of major world triathlon race back obviously you've got the euro is it european cup at the end of april you say yeah 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 but then yeah is is yokohama sort of I mean, it's obviously Olympic distance, but um... no, it's uh, it's not the hardest race of uh, of the year, uh, honestly. And uh, it would be it would be I don't know, like Lausanne or you know courses like this. Uh, I would uh, maybe yeah uh, maybe shoot myself <laughs> before the race. <laughs> but uh, no, Yokohama is uh, all flat and. Uh, not a really hard race, but then the the athletes are making the the race hard. Yeah. So <laughs> it's not a yeah exactly. It's know, a different the, kind the, of the course is not always uh, the the reason why the the race is hard. Obviously, yeah, that Lausanne Hill was tough, <laughs> really tough <laughs> by the looks of it. I remember seeing Tommy's um pre race uh you know the course run through, and he was kind of like trying to get across how, just how steep it was. Uh, how yeah. does that how does that rank in terms of like um, Corkscrew Hill in Bermuda? Is that it's significantly shorter, but obviously you have to do it eight times, ten times. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. This one is is uh, is really steep, but uh, the the steepest and the hardest uh, I did was last year in uh, Arzatena uh, World Cup. Yeah. Wow, that was. Uh... That that was uh, one hell of a of a killer, and uh, I've heard that uh, they they want to to make an Olympic distance race uh, on this course. Wow! So that would be interesting. Is that the kind of challenge you quite like the sound of in some ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of course. Yeah. Of course, yeah. <laughs>
and then um montreal this year will be the the sort of debut of the eliminator format as well coming in for for the wcts which would be exciting um yeah you know something you've got experience of through the super league as well right yeah, I think that's a that's a nice uh, that's a nice uh, move from uh, the ITU to try to innovate and uh, and maybe get inspired by uh, Super League or circuit like this because um, maybe it uh, triathlon will will be more attractive and uh, and and maybe people will uh, will be more interesting about about watching it on, on tv i don't know it's yeah. uh, something to to try yeah but yeah. i'm open to this uh, this kind of, uh, of ideas yeah. and i guess it will suit certain athletes certain styles of athletes more than others but as do sprint races and olympic distance races and so on so it's just another another twist yeah and uh, if you if if you look uh if you look well, it, it's always the same uh, in, in front. Huh? Vince is always in front uh, on a, on Olympic distance or on an eliminator. So <laughs> I'm not w- worried about this. <laughs> um, would you be uh, tackling that in bare feet at any point, though? I was just seeing another little look through. <laughs> so... No, 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 no more bar- barefoot running. Huh? <laughs> I lost already my skin under my my feet, so no, that that was a mistake. That was um, Singapore 2019, right? The the, the Super League. That was an eliminator, was yeah, it? Yeah, right. Or... Um, I don't remember which which uh, format was was that. But for the for the little story, I I was losing my my shoes because I I put too much uh, talc powder and with the with the water of um, you, you, you know, in Super League, you you have to run uh, a few times hmm. uh, in a row. So my shoes were completely, uh, how do you say? Yeah, slippery. Yeah. So I, I was losing losing it. So I decided just to 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 take it off and uh, run barefoot. But uh, that was a, an even worse idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. When you're lost in the middle of a race, you just got to do what you got to do, right? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Great. <clears throat> well, best of luck next month and uh, getting ready for the start of the season in Yokohama and hope all goes well. Yeah, I can't wait to, to come back to, to uh, real racing and uh, see you soon. Cheers, Leo. Take care.